Welcome, everyone. Welcome to a year of grace. It's Shannon, your something new blogger, and now you're something new podcaster. How about that, y'all? This is one of the best things this Texas girl has ever gotten to do. I can't wait to welcome y'all along this year. We have a fantastic year ahead as we explore the concept of grace as we get to know one another, as we continue to develop the something new community that we're working really, really hard on down here in Texas, the girls, the women that are with us are powerful and they're strong and they're loving and they're kind. And we are growing together each and every day. So far this year, 2019, which y'all who know me know is our year, y'all, we have focused on a number of important topics. For example, we've talked at length about confidence, building our confidence, how to maintain confidence, what true confidence is. We've talked at length about self-care. Self-care is not what many women think that it is. We've talked about it from God's point of view, the same father who invested himself, his spirit within us, honoring that essence, that's self-care, protecting that essence, that spirit that just like the psalmist says, was knitted in us before birth in our mother's womb by our father. We've learned at length about the importance of not waiting of not using one of my most hated words ever, the dreaded and feared transition. Y'all, I hate the word transition for women. I hate the word transition so much because all it truly does is slows you down from achieving the call that our father has on your life, on my life. Transition is not where we want to be. We want to go. We want to go forward. We want to move. We want to move ahead. And then we want to gather up all of our sweet sisters to come along with us. As we've been discussing these topics, we've also touched on relationships a good bit. In fact, a relationship renaissance is clearly needed in so many situations that young girls, that young moms, that young working women, that women who are trying to do both, that women who are raising their families there in the trenches, that older women, empty nesters, that grandmas, that great grandmas need. We need relationships that are supportive and not competitive. We need relationships that honor our work in this world as women, honor the reflection of Christ in our lives for others so that if they don't yet truly believe in our Savior, they will come to know him through our witness. We will talk more about relationship renaissance this year together. We are also focusing mightily on women supporting women. Without a doubt, in all of my years of ministry, this one topic shines forth as a beacon where all women need to be headed, and we are flatly not. Competition and comparison tear us down. They divide us. Being insecure 
divides us. Being jealous, petty, or small divides us. What will unify us? What will finally give all women to lock arms and embrace one another is the realization that the call that our father has on my life is different from yours and yours and yours and yours. And therefore, all are equally worthy. All are to be celebrated. Once we can get our hands firmly around this topic, y'all, there is no limit to what women, my sweet sisters, your sweet sisters, can accomplish all together. We will talk nuts and bolts about women supporting women consistently because it is a topic that is thrown about and it is a topic that has not yet been addressed. We must address it. For those of us who have raised sweet, precious daughters like I have, hi Meg, wherever you are in the world listening to your mama right now, I love you, girl, and I will see you soon. Those of us who raise sweet daughters, we have a responsibility to them. Y'all, it makes me tear up. I've only spoken to you for just under six minutes. That could be a record for getting teary-eyed. Going forward, I'm clearly going to need to bring my hot tea and my Kleenexes with me to visit with y'all. We have a responsibility to these sweet girls that we've raised. I was blessed, absolutely blessed by the Lord that he led me to motherhood. We will share so much, much more of that story in our year together. And I want to learn your stories, your stories of women that you have mentored to adulthood, your stories of being mentored by other women. There is no greater joy than raising up your daughter and having her walk with the Lord. Not perfectly, because we are not perfect parents. We're not perfect mothers. I remember once when Megan was quite small and she and I were shopping in a local Dallas Christian bookstore and we were shopping for gift cards and journals and notepads. It's a wonderful, wonderful morning with her. It's going to be a wonderful day with her out and about when she was a baby baby and then on to when she was a much older girl. We, we always shopped together and she was fascinated by some of the titles that she was seeing on these books about women. And expressing grace to one another. And women who were expecting others to treat them with kindness and respect because they were sweet sisters in Christ. And she looked at me and she, she had the cutest expressions on her face. And she remarked, if we all did this, this would be wonderful. And that's the truth. If we all did this, if we all came together as sweet sisters in Christ... It would be wonderful. Indeed, it would be remarkable. Now, in that same visit, she also happened to be talking quite loudly. And she mentioned aloud that I didn't need these books because I was perfect. And I will tell you what happened. It was a moment that every woman around us stopped what she was doing looking for greeting cards or buying books or school supplies, decorations. Each woman stopped. And each woman pretended not to listen to my answer as I told my beautiful girl that I was so far from perfect. She just had no idea. She's only seen me one way. She didn't know. I told her then and I've told her ever since. There is no perfection We all just try and we try and we try and we walk with the Lord 
and he guides us. He guides us in his grace. Y'all, this year together, if I can stop crying through the recordings, will be such a blessing, such a blessing of hope and spirit and sweet sisterhood. Now, y'all, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'd like to share with you the text for the year ahead. If you don't have your Bible handy, don't you worry a bit. I have mine and I'll be reading from the Psalms. Hi, this is Meg and you are listening to A Year of Grace by the Something New Podcaster. She'll be right back after this short break. just a blessing to be back with you for our inaugural episode of A Year of Grace. As I shared with you before the break, we will be all over the Bible this year, and not only the Bible this year, but our text from which our study will derive is found in the Psalms. Now, Many times women will ask about becoming more familiar with their Bibles or reading their Bibles for the first time. I cannot recommend that enough. I personally love to start in the New Testament. I think that would be a great first place to start if you're unfamiliar with God's Word. Then I would recommend the Psalms to you. Wholeheartedly recommend because... The Psalms are praises, they're songs, they're prayers. Many of us can relate to God's word in the Psalms in ways that we may not be able to in text or certainly (laughs) in a book like Lamentations or Isaiah or Jeremiah just yet. And that's fine. Wherever we are, when we desire our father, he's there. He's always there for us. He's always ready to show compassion and love and grace to us. Our our passage, our text is from Psalm 67. It's verses one and two. Verse one says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Then verse two goes on, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Verse one begins Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us. Hmm. Graciousness. Now, graciousness is indeed a very, very, very important character trait. It's one if you were raised in the South, like this Texas girl, you know all about Southern charm, Southern hospitality, and graciousness. This graciousness from our Father is similar. Here's the key difference. Our Father's grace is unmerited. It's unmerited grace. We have done nothing to earn it. It's not as if I had a tea party and invited you, sweet sisters, and then because you felt like she had a tea party, I'll have a tea party and invite her and the sweet sisters back and then another sweet sister and another sweet sister and so forth. 
That's somewhat of a merited sense of graciousness. That's more of a reciprocity, which is very, very important and we'll touch on in relationship renaissance because it truly is missing from our relationships. It's really missing in our relationships with women, I dare say, more than our relationships with men. But this graciousness is different from me hosting a tea party and then you hosting a tea party and you hosting a tea party. This is God's graciousness to his people, his children. And so when he thinks of us, he thinks of us with unmerited favor. We've done nothing to earn it. It doesn't matter how your morning has gone. It doesn't matter what you did last night. Unmerited favor from God is his graciousness. And we are going to spend a phenomenal amount of time working through that concept. And then that concept, receiving God's grace, rather than earning it or finding a way to believe in it, these are stumbling blocks. They're stumbling blocks that a lot of women face. When Megan was little, she had a series of books given to her by her great-grandmother, and they were darling little books, absolutely darling. And we would read them at night to her before bedtime. And then we would play the Forever Young song with Rod Stewart singing, and I would cry. <laughs> and finally, I told the chief, no more of this. We, we can't do this anymore. This is breaking my heart. I can't sit in this rocking chair and watch her, watch us read about her little goat and her little cowie and her little piggy, and most especially her little lamb. There's a verse in one of her little books that says, here I am called little lamb, hurry and come over. And it's one little lamb talking to another little lamb and another little themed to come and be shown grace to our father. We're all those precious little lambs. Now, the chief will tease me constantly that my faith is different, and I tell him it's not true. But he says my faith is different because when I heard the voice of God in my spirit, I was just like that little lamb. And I went hopping through that little field, and I've stayed put ever since. I know this is not true for the life of every sweet sister, but it can become true. Understanding the concept of grace, that unmerited favor, can make all the difference in the world for us, sweet sisters. It does not matter how well you did yesterday as a mom or how well you're doing planning a surprise party for your husband, how well your colleagues are getting along right now in team meetings, even what's happening in your Sunday school class. It doesn't matter. God's love for you hasn't changed. The grace that he showers upon us hasn't changed. Now, I know that many of you are saying, that's great. That's wonderful there, Texas girl. But what's a concrete example? Well, good news, y'all, because I have one. And I have one for when my girl and I were out and about when she was a baby baby, a baby baby in literally still a back-facing car seat. So a baby baby when she was maybe 10 months old, before I really came to understand what God's grace meant. And when I come back, that'll be the first thing I share with y'all. 
Hi, this is The Chief, and you are listening to A Year of Grace by the Something New Podcaster. She'll be right back after this short break. Sweet, y'all. As I shared with you before the break, the gift that is God's grace in our lives is unmerited. We did nothing to earn it. It has nothing to do with what type of a woman or a man truly we are. It's his grace, his unmerited favor to us. Now, as I shared with you, there are countless examples of grace in my life. God's grace has been sustaining and sufficient for me. I know at many times Sisters have said they haven't felt his presence. And I've pointed them to this example in my life with my girl. When I've shared many, many, many times, those same sweet sisters have had moments of clarity where they too can recall moments of God's grace in their lives. He's always there. He was there for us on a morning in early 2000. My girl was riding with me, as always, to run some errands. And, you know, I had her and myself on a pretty good schedule. So we would do our activities in the morning. Now, one thing that I I don't want to poke too much fun at, but when she was first born, one of the methods of child rearing was something called the easy method. And basically what that meant was for the mom, this was supposed to be easy to bring your child <laughs> into the world. So upon waking, the E would be your child would eat. Great. Because they're hungry when they wake up. Next would be an activity that the two of you or others would share. Bonding time. Well, Obviously, your child's full now. He or she's happy. Their little tummies are full and they're ready to play. Okay, there's the E. There's the A. The S. Well, after activity time, they're tired and they're going to want to sleep. Okay, so now they sleep. And then the Y. Well, good news, moms. That's your time. Well, frankly, y'all, I never could master this. By the time I had fed her and played with her... She was ready to sleep again, and I hadn't had any me time. I had laundry time. I had time to prepare supper. I had time to get the house back in order. I had time to fold all the clothes that I had just washed. I had snatches of time where literally when she was a baby baby and she would sleep six different naps of about 20 minutes each during the day, I would sit at the dining room table with her baby monitor right next to me. I would keep everything for my Bible study time out and handy, and I would plug right back in. She would go to sleep. I would go to the table and study. She would go to sleep. I would go to the table to study. And that's what we did, and we did, and we did. I needed that time. I needed it for me personally as a new mom struggling with all of those changes. I needed it for me as a wife in order to have the right frame of mind and be upbeat and excited when the chief would come home rather than (laughs) so, so tired and asking him five times, are you sure you have to go back to work tomorrow? (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if you didn't and I could sleep till noon? Y'all, you mamas know what I mean. It's the truth. I needed that time in the house 
I'm very much an extrovert, but I love my time in my house. I think of Maureen O'Hara and the quiet man. She wants her things about her. And y'all, so do I. And I did then. I had nested, truly nested in preparation for my girl. And I missed that time. We also had the sweetest dog sweetest dog Tana then and I missed my one-on-one time with her what I needed most of all was my time with my Lord studying my Bible and he brought grace to life for me in a way that has been transformative we sat the two of us in my car on our way to super target to run our errands And because of traffic being diverted in our neighborhood, we had to go a slightly different route. That was also fine. I had grown up in this neighborhood. I knew exactly where we were headed. Megan was happy as she could be. She was cooing. I was cooing back. She was babbling. I was babbling back. She was starting to try to talk and communicate and share. And it was just making me so, so happy. And we sat at a red light. Now, I was the first car in the far left-hand lane. I have no idea if there was any traffic behind me or beside me. But as I sat there, I noticed a church. Now, I know that I must have passed that church hundreds, if not thousands of times growing up. We lived in an area, the chief and I did when Megan was born, that that was probably less than 10 minutes from where I had grown up as a child. It's been high school years and junior high years where the chief's mom and dad live, and his sweet sister. I knew the area, but I had never noticed the church. And so as I sat at the red light, I noticed the sign on the marquee in front of the church. Now, y'all, I wish I could tell you I remember the verse, but I have no idea. But it touched me in a way that I had never been touched before because it spoke of God's grace. I remember seeing all the black letters on the white marquee in front of a Southern Baptist church. Y'all know what I mean. And I remember my eyes going straight to the words, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. And as I sat and I looked at it, I felt such a peace inside my heart. I knew I was exactly, goodness y'all, <laughs> there should be no crying in podcasts. Oh, my word. I knew exactly that I was exactly where I had prayed to be and where the Lord wanted me to be. I sat and I looked and our light turned green. I should have gone. Normally, I would have gone, but I didn't go. I sat and I focused on those words. And I remember realizing that the light had turned or realizing I needed to turn. Looking in my rearview mirror, not seeing anyone. Looking to my right, not seeing anyone. Looking in my little upper corner of my rearview mirror where I could see the little top of Megan's head. She was doing great, and I, I started to go. If I had gone into the intersection at full speed at that moment, most likely our lives would have ended because there was a huge white pickup truck. And it was coming in the far right-hand lane, ran the red light, and it surely would have killed me. We were in a small Chevrolet Malibu. Megan's life may very well have been spared, but mine would not have. The man driving the truck never 
had a clue about the two of us, but he would have killed me that day. Me sitting and looking at that signage about God's grace on that marquee at that Southern Baptist Church that morning was his unmerited favor for me. Now, had I died that day and Megan survived, I know that he would have had unmerited favor for her life as well. Good, strong dad and grandparents and an aunt who love her around her. That wasn't his plan for my life. If you are still here, there's still a plan for your life as well. It's what he put inside you. It's what he put inside me. It's that little spark that we talked about earlier that needs protecting, that needs our self-care, that needs to understand fully what his grace means to us and how it will manifest itself in our lives. I cannot wait to have this journey with y'all this year. One thing, obviously, I have to do is stop crying during podcasts. That will be a huge help for all of us. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Except for telling me not to cry during podcasts, please leave me all of your thoughts, all of your comments. I want to hear from each and every single one of you. I cannot wait to be with y'all next time. I have so much more to share. I want to get to know each and every one of you better. And I want to begin to take you through this text from the Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2, and help bring about a transformation in all of our lives as we come to understand God's word more clearly and the way he hopes we will walk it out in our lives. Y'all, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been an enormous blessing, and I can't tell you how grateful I am. So I will save those stories for another day. And now, from me in Texas, that's a wrap. Bye for now.